Well, again, the Brewers' bats go quiet at American Family Field. This time, we're not talking about a one nothing victory. No, no, we're talking about a 3 to nothing loss to the Atlanta Braves. The crew strands, let's see, you're left 10 men on base, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position, and now I've gone 18 innings without a batter collecting an RBI. If you remember correctly, uh, two nights ago, it would be a wild pitch. Hunter Renfro would score on that in the sixth inning to give the Brewers that one nothing victory. And it'll be Adrian Hauser, the Brewers' starting pitcher, who would go six innings, giving up four hits and an unearned run. Adrian Hauser had a huge bounce back from his tough start where he allowed a total of, uh, let's see here, a couple of tough starts where he allowed a total of 12 runs, including seven earned over nine innings of work. Yeah, but what did you just say right there? 12 runs? Including seven earned. Over nine innings of work. That's five unearned runs in his last two starts. Yeah. That's unacceptable. That's The Brewers and the Errors have been just the last two weeks. Yeah, the last two-week stretch, I mean, they've been an error machine as a team. Yeah, I, I know the Braves had one last night, but the Brewers had another error. I, well, they like did every that, game they get errors. That road trips, that, that nine-game road trip, they had nine games where they had 12 errors until it was corrected to 11 because they decided one was a hit. Yeah. But that's over one a game. That's it's not, not sustainable. It's not good. Uh, also was not good is the Brewers offense. Uh, obviously just, you know, started this hour with it. So Rowdy, we were went down the Brewers list uh, inspired by our guy DW who called in in like around 6:20 off air saying, "Hey, go check out all the hitters who were batting below 250 last night for the Milwaukee Brewers." All right, so before we dive into that, I just want to get this out there. I uh, looked up the league year-by-year batting averages, and right now the average across the league in the year of 2022 of our Lord is sitting at 235. 235. Yeah, and that's been dropping, it seems like, almost every single year for the last decade. Yeah. And that, that's been a thing with the, as some people term it, the she gone, where it's all she strikeouts gone. or home runs. It's just been dropping at an alarming rate. Yeah. Home uh, yeah. runs, runs going up. Yeah, long gone are the days where you have a guy that hits like 300 and only has like 5 to 10 home runs. Those guys no longer exist in Major League Baseball. Uh, the guys that choke up on the bat and just try and drop it into the opposite field, those guys are extinct. It's basically the biggest guys that swing the hardest that can hit the most home runs. So, Rowdy, I'm going to go uh, to 2012, the league's average batting average was 255 and they were spanking 1.02 home runs and then it would dip down to two uh, 253 in 2013 and they were spanking 0.96 home runs 2014 it was 251.86 home runs and then the uptick begins for the home runs and let's see here batting average 254 in 2015 the home runs 1.01 2016 255 is the batting average, 1.16 home runs, and here's where it really starts to jump. So the batting average is at 255, but the home runs go from 1.16 to 1.26, and then it gets its highest in 2019 as the batting average continues to go down, 252, but 1.39 for home runs. And then the batting average dips while the home run average starts to go up. All right, Rowdy, so average is going down. And again, I said this year is 235 currently for the batting average in the majors. All right, we'll go hitter by hitter here down the lineup last night for the Brewers. And I need you to uh, react to it, Rowdy, and give me your expectations of what you think. Colton Wong, leading things off for the Brewers last night, he was uh, his average below 250, 
248 is what he is hitting. Yeah, now that's a little bit low for Colton Wong. I think his career average is right around 260. Now, we did see one of his better seasons last year, average-wise, with the Milwaukee Brewers. But, yeah, he's like a 260 hitter with a little bit of pop. Guy that uh, is obviously a gold glove second baseman. I think the biggest thing for me, Colton Wong batting 250, I get it. He's a little bit lower than where you want to be. I think for him, it's been more of the spottier defense at times, especially from a guy that won a gold glove. Yeah. Next up, uh, Luis Urias. He is not a part of this uh, below 250 club. Luis Urias, who uh, started the season with a calf injury, has now come back and been a nice little spark plug for the Brewers. He's betting 298. Now, he's the guy that's only had about 50 at-bats, so the the smallest sample size pretty much out of everyone. But, I mean, this this is a guy who he batted roughly 250 last year, I think just under it. He was a guy that career-wise in the minor leagues was basically a 300 hitter, kind of like Orlando Arcia. And then he got to the big leagues, but he got to the big leagues really young yeah. and then just was very inconsistent with the bat. And then a couple of years later resurfaces and plays really well for the Milwaukee Brewers. I think, I think Urias is, is a real wild card. Yeah. He hit 250 last year, but I think there is room for improvement when it comes to his batting average. I mean, best on the team last night for batting average. And here's this, the DH last night. Hitting in the three hole. This guy will have one good game, post a video on Twitter about him being back, then all of a sudden he'll disappear for a week's two weeks on end. Christian Yelich. Another offer. Two thirty eight for the twenty eight million dollar man. Yeah, and obviously this is a Captain Obvious, but he's playing way below what his career average is. I mean, he's like a two ninety hitter. Yeah. Two thirty eight. He hasn't been right. He hasn't been able to get right since two thousand nineteen. And hell, I was saying that back at the beginning of the year, if you could get even just a borderline all-star Christian Yelich, this team is so much better. Well, I don't know. I I mean, if you look at what he was doing in Miami, he was hitting like 280 to 300. He'd have like 15 to 20 home runs and he'd have 50 to 80 RBIs. If you can get that out of Christian Yelich, I mean, that, that would be so much better than what you've seen the last couple seasons that, I would take it. Now what you're getting from him is a big weight around your neck when it comes to that contract. So clearly he is underperforming. Yep. Uh, Hunter Renfro, Rowdy, uh, new addition for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. He is betting 240. Yeah. Two hits last night. And for Hunter Renfro, I mean, this is a guy that some people just two, three weeks ago were talking about he could be in the minor leagues because he has an option, which is just ludicrous. But I know. If you look at his statistics, he's basically right on point. I mean, this was a guy that just the other day was tied for the lead in NL with most home runs. You yeah. expect him to be a guy that'll club home runs. And that 240 average, he's right around a 240 hitter. So, I mean, he's pretty much playing he is who he is. to what he is. And and we've seen in the outfield, he does have a cannon for an arm. Guys aren't going to run on him. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that a lot for Hunter Renfro. You, you can't say right now that Hunter Renfro is underperforming. If anything, he's one of the guys that's meeting yeah. expectations. Hell, on the Sunday game uh, that they won is... Uh, cool. Someone stayed at third because so they didn't even want to test his arm when Renfro got it. I mean, he's a he's a. Well, I think cannon. they clocked him. It he's was at a, a, a one step and a throw was like around ninety two, and that was no crow hop, no was real it, run. Was it no more Nervais? Where's Nervais now? He's catching or, for the Milwaukee or Brewers. Not, uh, the other catcher. Who's the other catcher that left? Manny Pena. Yeah, he's with the Braves. Okay, I was thinking. But yeah, thinking he was else. clocked on a one step throw at like ninety two the other day, which that's not even a crow hop or anything. That's, that's a gun. Um, up next, I mean, I don't know how much you expect, but Tyrone Taylor is betting 203. See, Tyrone Taylor, when he was swinging the bat well the last couple seasons, he's like a 240, 250 hitter. But the thing with him is this year, 
He's really been stuck behind Lorenzo Cain. Obviously, he's stuck behind Hunter Renfro, and he's stuck behind Christian Yelich. Now, I understand that Yelich and I understand that Cain are the highest and second highest paid players on the team, but they aren't performing like it. And at what point do you start consider giving Tyrone Taylor regular at bats and playing time in center field? I think it's coming sooner than we uh, we think. Yeah, I think you're right on that one, Robert. Or at least it should. Uh, up next... We have ourselves here. Let's go up next after Tyrone Taylor. Rowdy Telez is betting 236. See, he's a little lower than what you'd expect. I mean, I think Rowdy Telez is like a 240, 250 hitter with some pop, but this is a guy that he's never really had a real shot. He was in Toronto, and I know this has been talked about on broadcast, and David Stern mentioned it, but he was a guy that was behind like the Hernandez and the uh, Guerreros of the world and some of these guys that are big-time prospects or that were big-time prospects and now are are coveted players in Major League Baseball. He kind of fell into the same thing as Hernan Perez did with the Tigers when the uh, Brewers originally acquired him because Perez if you remember correctly he was behind like Iglesias he was behind like uh, the Kinslers of the world where he just wasn't as good as them and couldn't quite break through I think that's kind of where Rowdy Telez slides in so yeah you should expect like 250 with some pop a little bit better than he's been playing but I mean are you really going to criticize Rowdy Telez when He's had some he's really big man. games, he's and he man. has brought some power to the lineup. Then he then he set the Brewers record too for RBI. Yeah, I think like, you could expect him to be. Yeah, if if he hits the back of his baseball card, you could expect him to get a little bit better. Yeah, uh, this guy was a pinch runner for Rowdy Tellez last night. I'll bring up anyways. Uh, Jace Peterson is betting two twenty seven. Jace Peterson is what he is. I mean, he's a utility player that's going to fill in when everyone's healthy. Yeah, uh, here we go, Rowdy. I know you've been waiting on this one. This guy also makes a lot of money. To do not much, Lorenzo Kane, and I love Low Kane. Now it's just like wow, Low Kane batting one eighty two. Yeah, he hasn't been good, and he hasn't been good since twenty eighteen, the first year that the Brewers signed him. I mean, he was really, really good for the Milwaukee Brewers in 2018. 2019, he took a step back, especially offensively, but he did win a gold glove. 2020, he played for a week and then quit on the team. 2021, never looked right, couldn't stay healthy. The lower body was gone. Yeah, The average was way down. And then so far this year, it almost looks like the same thing. It, it looks like a guy that's he's on his last legs. He's coasting and, and collecting a paycheck. And it is sad to see because I, I think since 20 since 2020, the start of 2020, when he quit, I think I've been the toughest person on Lorenzo Kane. And I loved Lorenzo Kane back when he was a young brewer in the days where Mike Cameron was in center field and talking about how this kid was going to be Cameron, the next yeah. next defensive center fielder and he was going to be a, a big thing. And he was with Kansas City and he was with uh, Milwaukee. I just really think that year off just killed him. Uh, uh, next year, yeah. I mean, and like, you're always, I mean, and Father Time remains undefeated. I mean, and you're Lil always Kane's toughest on older. guys that you expect to be yeah. better. And Low Kane's 30, 36 years old. I mean... Professional sports, that's tough. Uh, let's see here. Two, second to last on the list last night, Mike Bro, uh, Brasso. Brasso. Mike Brasso was betting 275. Yeah, that's so probably not on the 250 list. Yeah, that's probably a little higher than where you'd see him at the end of a season. But he's a, like, he. He's a guy that we talk, Yeah, he can play almost any position in the infield. He's probably like your third emergency catcher if you ever needed that, and maybe could play a little corner outfield if, if again, if you were in a pinch. He's a guy that I thought when they acquired him, it wasn't a terrible move. It'd be a guy to fill in here and there when needed. But the fact that they had Luis Arias, your starting third baseman out, and then you have Willie Adamas with an ankle sprain, and he's probably going to be out or CIL time. Having Brasso playing every day, not ideal.
And then finally, Rowdy, on the list uh, that was uh, in the game last night, looking at who's batting below 250, there's eight of them. Eight of them last night. And the eighth would be Victor Caratini, the backup catcher. He's betting 220. I mean, Victor Caratini is like a 240, 250 guy with some pop. But the thing is, he's been the backup catcher. He arrived late to camp. Well, because yeah, I mean, it was, it was, like a, it was the, the literally the, the day before. Yeah, they had to have someone because uh, what's his name? Pedro Severino, Severino got popped the literally the, like the day before the season started. Popped with the Peds. So Victor Carantini is trying to, one, get right with the pitching staff because he didn't have any time to work with them. Yeah. Then he's got to hit the baseball, and he's not he's not catching every day because he's the backup catcher. 220 is probably a little low, but again, not a ton of at bats, not a huge sample size, and he's got a lot of catch up to do defensively with the pitchers. Not worried about that at all. And Rowdy, I'll throw one more in there. He's just been off with the COVID list, and now he has been activated. I don't think he's playing today, Craig Council said. Uh, but this guy, uh, been great so far for the Brewers. Now his average is not over 250, as we were kind of complaining about that. But Andrew McCutcheon is batting 240. Had some timely games and some good games for. Yeah, he's had some Brewers. timely hits. He's showed a little bit of power. Hasn't played a ton in the outfield, but the Brewers did say they were going to make him basically the DH. I don't know. I think uh, so far that signing's been eh. Kutch? Yeah, it's been eh. I like Kutch. Yeah, he's a, he's a clubhouse guy, but yeah. what he's actually done on the field, eh. He had some early for the, returns. For what they paid him, eh. <laughs> eh. Uh, let's see. How More old is will Kutch be now? revealed on that. Yeah, he's, uh, what is he, 35 years old, Andrew McCutcheon. And uh, just getting off the COVID IL, the COVID list, so he'll be... Uh, He's, he's he's back, but I don't think he's playing today. My biggest question is how long are they going to let Lorenzo Cain play center field? Because I know, I know in 2018 he should have won a gold glove. He had one of his best seasons. 2019, he arguably had his best defensive season, but the bat fell off a little bit. 2020, like I said, didn't play. 2021, the bat really fell off, and he was basically just a uh, out, like a, a defensive outfielder. And I think now that we're seeing this, I think you would even say that defensively he looks like he's falling off a little bit more. Now he is aging, but at what point does someone pass him, even though he is the second highest paid player? Like Tyrone Taylor, in my opinion, is currently right now, if he played every day, is probably better than him. Uh, and that's a really good question about uh, Lorenzo Kane. My other question is how long do you let Christian Yelich bet the third or what she was last night. He was the DH last night. See, I think for me, I'm going to let Christian Yelich have a longer leash than Lorenzo Cain. I mean, you have to. One, he's higher paid than Lorenzo Cain. But even when it doesn't come down to money, how about the fact that <laughs> Christian Yelich is going to be here for a while? Like Lorenzo Cain is, this is it. Yeah, this is it. And this, I, Lorenzo Cain's done. And I think this is it for Lorenzo Cain just in general. I, I think he's going to retire after this year. I, I don't see him signing anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into Christian Yelich and also yeah, the... Yelich, you got to figure it out because you're paying him a lot of money for a lot of years. I mean, my God. Our guy, J.A. Krebs. What's up, my brother, Jordan? He tweeted at my Twitter account, Ebo says, he goes, I thought Yelly was back, laughing emoji. And he says, uh, and then I linked him to a tweet. It says, uh, my tweet said, Christian Yelich is back with an asterisk. It says, this subject to change by a game-by-game and emotional basis. He goes, oh, I didn't see that tweet, but I was just saying for all the people saying he was back. Yeah. Less, t- less tweeting, more hitting. More everything. Like you, can't, you can't just go out there and send out a video saying I'm back and then not get a hit for a week and then, you know, go another two weeks later, come back with like a little three game fury. So May eleventh tweet Rudy. again. Come on. May eleventh is when he posted the other video. May eleventh is when Yelly posted the other video of uh, him essentially being back. We have to go look at his stat line. 
from May 11th until now, May 18th. I will guarantee you it's not going to be good. We went through the batting averages that were a lot of guys under 250. We're like, oh, man. And then our expectations. And then, Rowdy, something else that you like to dive into, and it's the other part of the game that I think some people don't get as excited by sometimes, uh, defensive prowess, right? Fielding percentages. Yeah, and we talked about it when we were we were going through some of the players. Colton Wong, like this is the big one, like the eye test for me. Colton Wong hasn't passed it defensively. He's been borderline gold glove for a long time now. I mean, he won a gold glove just mm-hmm. last season. Not very good. You look at his fielding percentage, his fielding percentage this year for people that have actually played third to worst on the Milwaukee Brewers, sitting there at about point nine. Five six, so about ninety five point six percent. That's only better than Luis Urias, who hasn't even played many games, especially compared to everyone else. Yeah, and Mike Brasso, who has been like <laughs> the hole out there on defense, where we've seen a ton of errors come from him, especially in the last couple weeks. Those are the only two guys that he's actually been better than fielding percentage wise. Another thing that I think is pretty interesting. And he's a gold glover, right? Yeah. Everyone else has actually been pretty solid defensively. It's been Colton Wong, Luis Arias and Mike Brasso who are, are below where you would expect them to be. Now, Willie Adamas, he's sitting there at nine sixty one, but uh, normally at shortstop, that's the guy that's going to touch the ball the most because yeah. shortstop predominantly gets a lot of ground balls, obviously is in on almost every single double play, even with those shifts. He's still pretty solid, but he did have a couple games there where he went error, error, and I think that's lowered his um, feeling percentage just a little bit, not too worried about that. Just the interesting thing here, you look at uh, Lorenzo Kane when it comes to fielding percentage and his defensive war. He's still an above average defensive player, like no doubt about it. But the thing is Tyrone Taylor is average, but Tyrone Taylor, especially if he's swinging the bat 240, 250, yeah, is a lot better than where Lorenzo Cain is in the one eighties. And at this point in their careers over a 162 game span, Tyrone Taylor is going to bring more pop to the lineup than Lorenzo Cain. So at what point do you start taking into a, into account the defensive war versus offensive war versus basically age. Yeah, totally. And everyone else, I mean, both of the catchers have been pretty solid this year. in Omar Nervais and Victor Caratini and even Rowdy Telez has not committed an error yet. Now it is first base. It's a position where you expect there not to be very hey, many. He's got some good leather though. Rowdy, Rowdy Telez can flash some leather. That's what I'm saying. It's like you, ex- you, you don't expect first base to have a ton of errors. Yeah, exactly. But he hasn't he had, flash. he hasn't had any. And we've seen that basically since Prince Fielder with the revolving door at first base, the Milwaukee Brewers, I would say just, just blindly telling you this. They've probably had more errors than normal at first base when you're rotating the Keston Heras, you're rotating like the Chris Carters or the Mark Reynolds, like guys that have been in and out, boom, boom. Yeah. Rowdy Telez has been pretty solid. And then again, Tyrone Taylor has been pretty decent too. Mm -hmm. I, I just think it's interesting because a lot of the, a lot of the errors that we've seen, it's weirdly enough some of the guys that have actually been really historically good. Like 
Willie Adamas, Colton Wong, I can I fully believe that they will continue to get better and maybe, hey, this is just a small sample size and they they defensively didn't play very well for a couple weeks. Yeah. But Colton Wong's got five errors already. That's crazy. And there was a Brewers were what was it against the um, it was two series ago that the set was it seven errors against the Seven errors against the Atlanta Braves in a three game set. Ew. And like I said, that nine game road trip they had twelve, which then was corrected to eleven. And then again last night they gave up another unearned run. Yeah. But yes, the the real big one here is Colton Wong. And then Luis Arias, we've seen that he's he has been hot and cold when it comes to the field. Like he'll make great see the thing with him is when he has more time. I think he thinks about it because that's when his throws his go head. awry. His but head. when he makes like a diving play at third base, he's on a knee and he's oh. just got to fire it to first and he doesn't think he just does. Yeah. He's money. Gotta go boom, boom. But the other guy is Mike Brasso. I mean, the, he's, he, he has a fielding percentage of 893 where you'd think about, oh, well, if I was at Major League Baseball and I made a play nine out of every 10 times, you would feel pretty good about yourself. These are obviously pros that do it every day, that these are the best of the best. And it's kind of like in hockey. And when Mike Brasso is at 893, look at a goalie that saves the puck at an 893 percentage versus a goalie that saves it at a 90 or like a 950 percentage. Yeah. It's night and day how much better the guy saving it at a 950 percentage is than an eight. Yeah, everyone starts calling him the Sif. He goes, Sif, 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 Sif. If you're you're below 90, good luck trying to find a job in the NHL. Sif, 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 Sif. Now, Brasso, I mean, again, he's supposed to be a guy that fills in here and there at multiple positions. He's being forced into playing. Hopefully, Willie Adamas can come back. But, But overall, if Wong continues to play like he should, Adamas continues to play like he should, I feel like the defense should be pretty decent. Yeah. It's just... Brasso shouldn't be in there. He well, shouldn't mean, be in there every I mean, day. Willie Adams is hurt, so I mean you have that. Um, we'll get to the schedule coming up, right, Rowdy? So we have the schedule coming up. We'll get to some Green Bay Packers as well. Uh, good look, good, good deep dive in the Brewers again. Though first place in the NL Central, two and a half games above the Cardinals. The Brewers sit twenty three and thirteen. One of the best marks in the majors. Well, that's the thing. People keep talking about, oh, they're, they're, they're playing bad teams. Oh, you know, I don't care their, who their they record is inflated, but the thing. They have to beat them. Yeah. And two, they haven't played their best baseball yet, but they're still finding ways to win. Yeah. I don't think anyone would say that so they that played... a sign of a good team? Yeah, I don't think anyone would say that they, they played a good game two nights ago when they won one to nothing, but they were the team that found a way to win. Yeah. Now the Braves found a way to win last night when both teams struggled. Yeah, but if they, they if they come out and they get a good start from Corbin Burns today, the guy that's the reigning Cy Young award winner, the guy that's the ace of their staff, he should be a guy that he goes out there, throws a good game, and maybe the the offense will find a way to score more than one or two runs so Fingers that they can crossed. get a win. Fingers but you crossed. would have to imagine that today, an afternoon game at home with your Cy Young Award winner, that he can uh, he can bring it for the he Brewers can. and that they can win the series. And all, at the end of the day, it's all about winning series. Yep. Yesterday, Adam Stenovich, the Green Bay Packers' new offensive coordinator, was at the podium. All right, Nathaniel Hackett, obviously, is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. How, obviously, he had say. Obviously, him, Matt LaFleur, and Aaron Rodgers would get together, and whatever offensive quality control probably had a little, you know, a little murmur in the corner as well. How much, though, do you think, when it comes to this offense, that the offensive coordinator, you know, has his thumbprint on here? Like uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who was just here. 
Well, when we talked about that last year, I feel like obviously number one who has control out of all of them to me is Matt LaFleur. It's his offense. It's his playbook. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is right there in number two. And then I felt like, yeah, you kind of had, um, you kind of had those two being like the clear cut one and two, Mm -hmm. and it was almost like a one a and one B. And then that's where I see the offensive coordinator coming in at number three, almost being closer to like LaFleur's assistant as bad as that sounds. That's how I imagine it happening. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers really has the say, especially for over Matt LaFleur. Mike McCarthy before, I think Mike McCarthy had like, hey, Mike McCarthy had the first input and then Rod, 1A and Rodgers 1B. I think Rodgers is 1A and Matt LaFleur is a 1B. Does that make sense like that? See, I don't see it that way. Don't, don't you? I would say I would argue that um, towards the end of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, well, he was that, just changing all that the Aaron Rodgers was 1A because he said, F you, we're not doing yeah, that. Well, I, I don't think it was a I don't think it was a mutual agreement of him being a one A though. I think it was Mike McCarthy thought he was a one A. Rogers thought he was a one A, and therefore Rogers would change plays. I mean, at the end of the at the end of McCarthy, it was wasn't in that Bleacher Report article. Rogers was like changing every play, and McCarthy's getting all hacked off. So I don't think that was a mutual agreed upon structure. I think it's now it's mutually agreed upon, right? Don't you think? I would say so, but I still it's still Lafleur's offense because we've seen that it's completely a different system. Yeah, Rogers is bought into it than what Mike McCarthy had, and, and I think that's a breath of fresh air for not only Packer fans but for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Well, Adam Stenovich, the new uh, offensive coordinator, on the podium yesterday, he talks about what the Packers' offense is going to be looking like under the Stenovich approach. Speed and physicality. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you want to see physicality up front. You want to see guys coming across the ball. You want to see us attacking the defense across the entire field. And I think the, the best offenses in the league, they play fast. They stretch the field. They run the ball. So those are the big things right there that um, I hope we can hang our hat on. Just right there, right, right, right away. Speed and physicality. Speed and physicality, Rowdy. Speed and physicality is what the uh, Adam Stenovich offense wants to look like. All right now. Sounds like the NFL. Yeah, right. Speed and physicality. Right now, if you look at the position by position breakdown for the offense on and the skill positions, yeah, I think you can be pretty physical, especially at the offensive line, because we talked about how before the draft, it was a when everyone's healthy, it's a good offensive line. It's not very deep. And then they added three which I believe to be pretty good offensive linemen through the draft that will be able to help at, at least at some point, whether it just be depth or actually starting. Yeah. So I think they did pretty good there at being able to be physical on the offensive line. I mean, the, the running backs, I think you can be extremely physical too, especially when you have, you know, your, your speed in Aaron Jones and then your bulldozer in AJ Dillon. That's like six foot two fifty. Yeah. Like you're easily going to be able to be physical running the football and you're going to have some speed. I know Kylan Hills coming off of a ACL. He's another guy that kind of brought more of the Aaron Jones speed and finesse. But uh, you look at speed at tight end and receiver Hot, nasty speed. <laughs> what speed is there? I don't know if there's much speed at tight end. You got a guy in Mercedes Lewis. That's closing in on 40. <laughs> you got a bunch of um, probably guys that would be fours and or practice squad guys at the bottom of the tight end room. And then you have big Bob Tunyon coming off of an ACL injury. injury. I'm trying to think like if you gave him Madden ratings, like, you know how they like, you know what their speed rating would be in a Madden game. I suppose I could go look it up. Well, uh, I think if I don't think you'd be getting in the nineties, Mercedes Lewis was a hell of an athlete. 
when he was receiving tight end when he was young. That's that's been like ten years ago was, now. Yeah. <laughs> like like it's been a minute. Father time is now like, hey, I'm gonna get you, bro. And then you have Josiah DeGuara that looked, no looked good in his first couple games as a rookie and then really hasn't since. Yeah. And he got hurt. And then you have Dominic Daphne and Tyler Davis who are like, eh, end of the uh end of the roster tight end slash practice squad type players. Yeah. And then it's Bob Tunyon coming off an ACL. When will he, will he be ready for the first game? Who knows? I, I think they can be physical. I know they can be physical. I th- I think I don't think there's going to be much speed. I don't. Yeah, I don't know the speed. Well, here's our guy Dane on uh, Twitch. Uh, go to Twitch.tv. Search my name. Ebo says you can interact with us there. See us. Hear us. Uh, Dane says I feel like Green Bay. Well, here, here's the counterpoint. I feel like Green Bay has missed physicality the entirety of Aaron Rodgers' career. Well, you would say when they were like slinging the football all over in the early days, like the early 2010s. Yeah. They did have a lot of speed. And I would say that the offensive line was built more for protecting, protecting the quarterback when it comes to passing the football than for downhill running. I do agree with them. I think it's changed a little bit to more of a, but, but I would also say these guys can do finesse. These guys can do both though. Like, their offensive line has been really good the last few, like oh, really, yeah. really the, good and really deep. Totally, I think they can do both. But yes, probably built more or less to protect the pass. Yeah, ten years ago, but uh, the rec- the receivers, I, mean, I don't know if there's a lot of hot nasty speed either outside of Christian Watson. I mean, yeah. oh, Robio Dubs is pretty fast he's as fast, well, but those are but both rookies. You don't know what you're going to get from them. So Sammy Watkins used to be fast when, yeah. <laughs> again, like almost a decade. Can ago. he be physical? Because when he does, he might get hurt. Yeah, because he's you know injury prone. We know prone. Lazard ain't a burner. No, we know that. Uh, we know that Winfrey and, and and Malik Taylor aren't going to be guys that you're going to say just run deep. So we'll get more comments from Stanovich coming up here on the rookie wide receivers and also on the offensive line yeah, coming up, Rowdy. From the majority of the skilled position, I'm going to say physical is a thing they can be. Hot, nasty speed right now with the guys they got? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Dane says we have individual players who demonstrate physicality, but up and down, we aren't threatening in that respect. We'll get to more comments from Stanovich coming up. Adam Stanovich, New Packers OC on the podium yesterday. Mm. Want speed? In physicality. Well, what about the new wide receivers? He was asked about Romeo Dubs and Samore Toure. Take a listen. I think with all those guys, um, with Romeo and Samore, they they are going to be versatile. I think they can play multiple positions. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see. You know, obviously it's extremely early right now, but I'm excited to kind of see just like that where give them a spot and then see if they can handle that and then some more. But I think they're, they're going to add some versatility to the room. All right. There's the versatility. Randy. Actually, I, I have a question. So he didn't, he did now. He wasn't specifically talking about uh, Christian Watson, who was I have one, coming up. one of their higher draft picks in the second round. But like my first thought when he mentions Romeo dubs and Samari Toure is, is Samari Toure going to make the roster? That's a, it's a good question. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like OTA start on Monday. Like that's a that's a seventh round flyer pick out of Nebraska. Now he did make a lot of waves late with Nebraska, and then he had a really good uh, showing at, at like the pro day and combine stuff. Yeah, but. I mean, when you're talking about a seventh round flyer, you're probably talking about a guy that you liked. And since you had a lot of seventh round picks like the Packers did, you're probably just selecting him. So you didn't have to fight with the undrafted free agent battles that there is with other teams. Yeah. Cause I mean, you look at it, we know Randall Cobb is going to be there, right? 
He's Roger's boy. We know that Alan Lazard is going to be there, right? Uh, do especially, we know that? Especially if he signs the contract. Do we know that? We know that Sammy Watkins is going to be there. Hell yeah. He's we a know, wild boy. We know that Amari Rogers is going to be on the roster. Yep. Hopefully that, that's, that's four guys right there. We haven't even started talking about anyone else. You would have to imagine Christian Watson has a spot on the roster. That's five. Yep. You'd have to imagine Romeo Dubs has a that's, spot on the roster. How, how many receivers are they? That's carry? six. And then you go, maybe, maybe they try and keep seven. And it, they, it, they've done that a couple times in and that middle was more of McCarthy's. Under the McCarthy that was McCarthy era, and we were just talking about how the McCarthy era, they like to and, sling the football. And what do we know about the Matt LaFleur era? They, they want like to be 50 the 50. They want to run that damn ball. And so you're already at six, and that's just with the guys that you know are going to be there and the, and the top two draft picks. But then you have the uh, Malik Taylors of the world that has been kind of like the end of the receiving room slash practice squad. Yeah. Juwan Winfrey, who supposedly Aaron Rodgers likes, but again, he's been the end of the receiving room slash practice squad. And then there's Samore Toure, who you just drafted in the seventh round. And then I guess you could also so, say Danny Davis was invited uh, yeah, to training sorry, camp. Davis, yeah. But but I mean, there's really probably the Malik Taylors, Jawan Winfrey's, Samari Toure's, and we'll I guess we'll throw Danny Davis into that mix. Are maybe fighting for one spot or a practice squad spot? Yeah. Like there's there's not a lot. There's not, of there's not a lot of wiggle room. here, yeah. and especially if they go and sign a veteran post June one, which you'd think they probably you'd would probably do. would like to. Yeah. So all right, uh, Rowdy, that's that's a good. You put your sleuthing hat on there. Well done, Toure. If you're listening, which I know everyone listens. Best of luck, brother. And he's a slot receiver. Best of luck. Which we know that Randall Cobb is a slot receiver. We know that Amari Rogers is a slot receiver. Yeah. We know that's going right. to be tough to make the squad. Let's hear about, uh, real quick, one more comment before we get to our guy, Mike Jocks Jocko. Here is uh, Adam Senovich, the new OC, OC, excuse me, talking about what excites him about Christian Watts in the second round pick. Yeah, I mean, his combination of size and speed is great. You know, he's. He, He's a big guy. He can move. He's going to be a problem, you know, once he figures things out. So I'm excited about that. And even like Christian, he handles himself the right way. He, ever since he showed up, he's come in with a great mindset, um, intelligent, and just ready to learn. So that's that's probably his most uh, best attribute right there is just his willingness to really absorb what you have to say and, and improve on it. So I'm excited about that. Again, it is early, so, you know, OTAs begin on Monday. It's early for the Green Bay Packers. But, yes, Rowdy, there's going to be some wide receivers that they drafted, like the Samari Toure on the outside looking in. Well, I mean, I remember, whew, I think it was Ted Thompson here. It's towards the end of Ted Thompson. They drafted a kid, Malachi Dupree, out yeah. of LSU, who he was one of the top recruits coming out of high school and then had, like, one really good year in college and then kind of flubbed, and then all of a sudden – didn't necessarily have the best pro day and workouts and he was selected in the seventh round. And that was when the, the Packers, maybe they didn't have as bad of a wide receiver room, but it wasn't good. No. And he was a guy that he was cut early in training camp and he was their seventh round pick. Yeah. I All just right. thought it was kind of interesting that he named him. Now I know he was one of the three rookies selected at the position, yeah. but I thought it was interesting. He named him. Uh, those later guys. The bell may toll for thee. Department. Oh, here we go. Yes, uh, research department. Research department has just handed me a letter, my friends. Breaking news. After Christian Yelich posted his video after the Grand Slam and a couple other 
This is this is I like this. This is nice. Christian Yelich, after posting his first video on Twitter, after hitting a grand slam, a couple home runs, would then proceed to go three for 23, seven strikeouts, and no extra base hits. Rowdy, we then said, well, after the grand slam, that Christian Yelich was back. No. He, he, or after, let me rephrase that. I proceeded to say that Christian Yelich was back. I even made a promo out of it. And then he Thank proceeded you for to clarifying. go. You're welcome. That Rowdy did not. Rowdy said, I would like to see this for a while longer. At before least I, a month. Before I say anything. And then he proceeded to go three of 23 uh, for a stretch there. Seven Ks, no extra base hits. Thank you, Ben Kenny, for helping me out with that. Christian Yelich, then, my friends, posted another Twitter video. As, as after he hit for the cycle against the Cincinnati Reds on May 11th, not too long ago, seven days ago. Uh, four for five, hitting the cycle. We all pretty excited. Uh, again, research department. Heard our our beckoning call earlier in the show to say, what has Christian Yelich done since the cycle? And after they handed me the note with the breaking news from the research department, they did have an off day May 12th after the cycle. So May 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, which would be last night, Rowdy, Christian Yelich on May 13th would go one of four. Then proceeded again the day after to go one for four. And then the final game against the Marlins, 0 for three. Then in May 16th, just two days ago, he went 0 for 4. And then May 17th, yesterday, he went 0 for 3. Christian Yelich, after posting another Twitter video saying he is indeed back, went 2 of 18. How many strikeouts in that bunch, too? The research department did not give me that, but I can help them find that out. Two for 18. Christian Yelich, rowdy. I also... Proclaimed Christian Yelich to be back after he hit the cycle. I tweeted it out, but with an asterisk. I protected myself this time. I said, this subject to change on a game-by-game basis and emotional basis as well. So I protected my my tweet and proclamation with an asterisk. I also made another promo out of it. Yeah, I, it's, I've been saying it <laughs> Maybe over and it's over. Me. We have, Maybe it's me. We have not seen Christian Yelich look like Christian Yelich of the 18 or 19 version. Now, 2020 was a weird year, and actually his his numbers were decently productive if you would have extrapolated out for 162 games when it came to home runs and RBIs, but the average wasn't there. Mm-hmm. 2021, there was absolutely no pop in the bat, and I think he played well for about a three-week span in those six months. Now, this... This season, you've seen it in spurts, right? Mm-hmm. For like one week, he'll get hot, and then he'll go cold, and then another week, it's he'll like get Katie hot. Perry, man, you're hot, then you're cold, you're yes and you're no, you're in and you're out. Katie but he's Perry. making a lot of money to um, strike out and not be get hot and cold. Anything. All right, so uh, how long of a leash do you give Christian Yelich? Obviously, it's got to be a long one because you got him for, how, what is he making a year? He's 20, 26 million. 26 million a year. Yeah. So I guess you're going to have to give this guy a pretty long leash then, eh? I mean, I don't know what else you're going to do, but yes. <laughs> yeah, Chris, mean, Christian, what, what do you do? Christian Yelich in those 18 at-bats, he has now also struck out seven times. So he's two for 18. He's gotten out 16 times. Of those 16, he struck out seven. That's a pretty high K rate. Sorry, that was a moment of silence. <laughs> that's, for... a, that's a pretty that's a pretty high K rate. Now again, that's a small sample size, but oh, uh, Ben Kenny, thank you, thank you for the tweet. Ben Kenny just says, as pointed out by the great Ebo says on Zone Madison just now, Christian Yelich, the first I'm back Twitter video. That was the Slam Grand Slam versus the Pirates, April nineteenth. The next seven days, three of twenty three, seven Ks, zero extra base hits. 
The second Twitter video, the cycle against the Cincinnati Reds on May 11th, the next seven days, Christian Yelich went two of 18 with seven strikeouts and zero extra base hits. Yeah, that's, again, this just goes back to less tweeting, more hitting. Wow. Less tweeting. Let's let's shut the Twitter account down. Let's shut it down. And let's focus on baseball. You're going to give that ish up? You're going to focus on baseball. Let's go to the phones quick. Good morning. Line one. Who's this? Going once. Going twice. I bet you that was that Booze Hound Johnson Charlie. So I ended up looking at the uh, Brewers schedule. Yep. And this is for every single month of the season. We all know that the month is basically, or the, the season is six months with then a little spill on to October, especially because they start a little later in, in April this year. But I went through and I broke down number of games against teams that should win about, you know, should go about 500 or better and or our playoff contending teams. So in the month of April, they had just eight games against a team that I believed should be around 500 or a playoff contender Mm -hmm. in the, in those, in that uh, month of April, they had eight of those games. They went four and four against those roughly teams that should be 500 or make the playoffs, but they finished the month 15 and seven. Remember that was the third best month of April in Brewers franchise history. Yeah. Now the month of May, they have 13 games in my opinion, against teams that'll be 500 or better. And they're, they're currently two in three in those games. Yes. They have another one with the Braves again today, but overall for the month, they're eight and seven. That gives you the grand total of their 23 and 14. They're sitting where they're at, but against those, those teams that are 500 or better, they're currently six and seven in 13 games this season. Now moving forward, I think their toughest month is going to be June. They have 19 games against teams that should be 500 or better. July, they have 12 games against teams 500 or better. August, 12 games 500 or better. And then September, 15 games against teams that are 500 or better. That comes out to about 79 out of their 162 games this season, which makes a lot of sense if... You know, you have about your middle of the road teams going 500. The other bottom half are below and the other top half are above. 79 is pretty close to that 81, which is about half of your games against 500 or above teams. Right now, they're currently on pace to be a a little under 500 in those games. But again, very early into the season. This is how I break down their months. April was by far their easiest month for me they ended up having the third best month of April in franchise history. So you can say that they played up to expectations. They beat the crappy teams. They went out and took care of business. No mercy. Now June is interesting because I think this is their hard. I think June is their toughest month on the schedule. They don't have many off days and they play a ton, a ton of teams that should be pretty decent this year. And I mean, you look at the Brewers, and so far I say you can't really be upset for what they've done because you look at the month of June. No, of course not. In the month of June, this is who they play. San Diego for four, the uh, Phillies for three, the, fathers. the Mets for three, the Cardinals for four, the Blue Jays for three, and Tampa Bay for a two-game okay, so that's series. A pretty tough, that's a pretty tough month. Yeah, and you only have three days off the entire month. Now, May or September, in my opinion, is also their second tough month. The second toughest month being September, and this is because you have three at Colorado. They never play good there. 
you and they're roughly a 500 team. That little weird Thursday two-game makeup ah. doubleheader with San Francisco. Boo. Then you have two at St. Louis, three with against the Yankees, three with the Mets, and then it's more St. Louis at the end of the month. Plus, I threw in the extra, you know, spill onto October page of sure. games. But again, that's a month where you only have three days off, yeah. and it's extended because you play into October. Interesting. Now, May I actually rate it as their third toughest month behind June, behind September. The rowdy ratings. Just because they had one more game than the July and Augusts against better teams, but also July you get the all-star break, and they normally have three, four days off, so that's a month where they're going to get a ton of days off. July on paper should probably be their second easiest month after April, and then August is just kind of so-so. You get a decent amount of days off. Okay. But yeah, the rowdy ratings. We we will see where they're at after after May because I do believe May will be their third toughest month. Okay. And then if if they come out and it's July and this team is still relatively up by two three games and they got they got through that June, I feel pretty confident that they'll be rolling yeah. into uh, the central. No doubt. All right, so I'll, um, full lines blowing up. One second, six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Um, I'm looking at five thirty eight. You know, they have their predictions and user algorithms and yada, 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 their analytics. I'll tell you where they have the Brewers real quick. 538, they have their predictions out. The Dodgers and Yankees have the predicted record or the projected record tops 102 wins and 60 losses, both the Dodgers and the Yankees. Coming in at number three or number two, since the Dodgers and Yankees are tied, would be the Astros at a record of 98 and 64. And then coming in at number four, or number three, depending on how you look at it, because the Dodgers and Yankees are tied, I'll just go number four, are your Milwaukee Brewers projected to have the fourth best record in the majors, 93-69. and 69. And then and that would hit their over, too, yeah. if you had their over. Because the over, I believe, started at 89.5 in some books and then was right around 91 when uh, it closed. All right, so... Uh, my brother Doogie just messaged me. He says, I'm never going to find out who was on Perry Mason. Charlie actually called during break Doogie and told us who was on Perry Mason, but the name escapes me. Oh, the Blue Jays. Oh, I'm sorry. The Padres then are fifth at 92 and 70. The Blue Jays are 91 and 71. The Mets, 90 and 72. And then the Angels at 90 and 72. Then it just drops off to the 80s from there for everyone else. But your, your Milwaukee Brewers, the fourth best projected record at 93 and 69, an 87% chance of making the playoffs. A 74% chance of winning the division. And the fourth best odds of winning the World Series. Take a stab at uh, what the percentage is, Rowdy. Of winning. For the Milwaukee Brewers yep. of winning the World Series, yeah, and the they're first, the fourth? Fourth best. I'm going to go with 8%. Ooh, you are close. 7%. The uh, Dodgers, 21%. The Yankees, 17 The Astros at 11 If they get some more trash cans, that could go up. And the Brewers at 7%. For the World Series. Pretty crazy. Well, that's the thing. It's like when you look at the Brewers and their schedule moving forward, we know that teams like the Pirates, teams like the Cubs, and even potentially teams like the Reds who already had a fire sale are going to continue to sell, especially if they can continue to play at these these paces and win at these paces. 
you know the Cubs are are probably going to move on from Wilson Contreras or potentially a starter or some relief pitchers. Same thing with the Pirates. They have a few guys that are left over that could still help other big big league ball teams moving forward (laughs) post the uh, All-Star break. But you look at their schedule moving forward and the the Brewers play the Cubs quite a bit of times post-July. Uh, they're, they're called the Scrubs, Rowdy? They're only going to get worse and sell off. Same thing with the Pirates. Same thing with the Reds. They have a ton of those games with yeah. those teams after the All-Star break, after the trade deadline. And it's really, like you say, when you talk about making the playoffs, it's really them and the Cardinals. We, we've talked about this basically since the odds yeah, came out. Yeah. All right. So we do have uh, two phone lines blown up here. Paulie says 87% chance of making the playoffs and a 100% chance they let you down. Oh, that's coming from a Scrubs fan. You got a little taste of what was happening off air. And we're going to get a little taste of our new relief pitcher. We got Jesse back. Woohoo! From Voodoo Ranger. Jesse, I love when you come in. We always have a blast. When you oh, come in. thanks for having me. It again. might be because it's alcohol fueled, but also just because you're a part of yourself. Hey. You know? I appreciate that. But yes, bringing beer always helps. It does. All right. So, and you brought three different kinds of beer. I did because we did the other one last time I was in. So and not, I only, not, only, not only did you bring <laughs> beer, but you brought the tall boys. I did. I love you. Yeah. All well, right. It's, so it's Wednesday. Okay. So. Um, see this guy behind you? Mm-hmm. That's Ben Kenny. He's 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 the, celebrating a year here uh, on Tuesday. So congratulations. Well, congratulations. Benjamin. I have a beer with his name on it. Well, here's the thing. I don't know. His biggest his chagrin, worst day of the week is chagrin, Wednesdays. I like saying chagrin. His biggest chagrin is Wednesdays. Because every Wednesday we have the relief pitcher, Voodoo Ranger this week. Yes. And we like to throw back some drinks here and there. We like to get a little buzzed up. Sure. He doesn't like it. He, because then we start coming after him. Because <laughs> he's like the new guy. So kind of like a, so I wouldn't say it's hazing, but it's more of like... Hey, it's hazing. <laughs> it's hazing. Uh, ben, any, any retort there? Wednesdays, any... Now I can explain it well. I'd call it a nightmare. But it's a nightmare. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and why is that, Ben? Uh, just you know, I every other day of the week, it's I come in. It's it's good, lighthearted talk. On Wednesday morning, I get ripped to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> so this this week, fueled by Voodoo Ranger, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> I, I love it. He's a good guy. He's from Philadelphia. We're trying to get him. We're trying to get him up on his uh, Midwest. That could be. That know? could be a new exactly. paid for segment. It's right after. Oh, the beer of the weeks come in, but it's every Wednesday. It's the uh, Rip Ben segment. Yeah. Oh, we this, get a sponsor for that. Yeah. Sponsored this week by Voodoo Ranger. <laughs> if that's okay with you, Jesse. Sure. I mean. Totally. All right. I'll see how uh, it pans out. If you want to yeah. have a couple of sips and tee off on Ben, please feel free. Yeah. I'll wait till the third one. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> Jesse, what's new? How you been? It's been, uh, I mean, we saw you a couple months, two I months think so, ago, yeah. Like yeah. yeah what's new? How's life? Uh, life has been great. Super busy. Yeah. Um, amazing. The weather's finally turning. Oh, so people are good. Woo, finally fantastic. Yeah. Getting outside and having their favorite beverage of choice. So it's you, been see how pale, you see how pale I am? Like I'm a very white individual, like right. a, a step above an albino. Yes. I'm actually, this is tan for me because I've been outside. I've been tanning like every day, like laying out in the yard. <laughs> it shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't I still look albino though? Like it's, it's tough. All right. It's the white shirt. Just really well, I, the white in your shirt. The white of on me, my pig <laughs> is whiter than the shirt. All right, so Jesse, what is great for this kind of weather when it gets warmer is obviously the beer drinking. Absolutely. So Monday is really nice, mm-hmm. and Sunday 
I, sw- I said to myself, I'm not going to drink during the week. I'm not going to drink during the week. Monday happened, and the patio, the patio beers were calling my name of how nice yeah. it was. And now you have this in front of me, the voodoo. Like, what voodoo rangers do we have here? Oh. And by the way, how great does it pair with good weather? Uh, or just any weather. Any weather, right? Because you'd, you'd have a reason with whatever weather you're giving. I don't really need a reason. Uh, so we so I brought our whole lineup for our 19.2 ounce with Voodoo Ranger. So you are trying the IPA. So this is our 7% West Coast style ooh, IPA. Ooh. Nice and fruity, really approachable. Uh, I like the approachable. See, this yeah. guy's on a cleanse over here. Right? They're sent to Mai as a big Norwegian fest uh, uh, okay, over the weekend. Sure. He said he's cleansing for how long, Rowdy? I'm going to try three months. We'll Rowdy, see how long it goes. The, approach, the approachability on this is off the charts. Why can't you approach this with an open mindset to break the cleanse? It's just bad timing. Okay. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only reason. <laughs> All right, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jesse. No, the Voodoo Ranger, the IPA, is the, what I really like People, about it. Some would say I never had great timing, so we'll just go from there. Well, you should be in Lombardi time, 15 minutes early. So you should have been drinking a beer 15 minutes before she came in. All right, so... We will save him. We'll yeah, save you'll, you'll be in again, yeah. right? I assume, oh, yeah. Sure. We'll make him drink double. Absolutely. All right, so I love how it's very... The approach being approachable, yeah. it's like when I think IPA sometimes like smacks you in the face a little bit, mm-hmm. this does none of that. No. So it's got a little bit lower IBUs than some other IPAs might, and quite frankly... The rest of them do as well. They volley between 30 to 50 IBUs. So really, what does that mean? Just the bitterness, correct? Yes, the bitterness. So I think you taught me that last time you were in. I think I did too. I pay attention but, sometimes. And you retained it. I love it. I <laughs> love my it. short-term memory struggles sometimes. <laughs> but yes, uh, Rowdy knows that. But yeah, yeah, this is really good. And it's 7% alcohol. 7%. And then we brought you the Juicy Haze. Which... Wait, I like this. And Ben, a forewarning, Ben, the first one's 7%, the next one's 7.5%, and then the one after that's 9%. Just yeah. an FYI. Just yeah. like stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is like stairs. All right, so I'm going to chug this one quick. Um, sure. And again, you guys' art is awesome on this. Yeah. I know so we talk about it every time, but it's awesome. The voodoo character takes on a little bit of a persona on each can. So these are, you know, we have our 12-ounce cans, but what we're drinking through today are the 19.2-ounce cans. Uh, so he does. He has a little bit different hat, persona on each can. Juicy Haze, that's our, our hazy. And so that's really approachable. So a little bit more even creamy of a mouthfeel. And again, super approachable, 7.5% alcohol. Uh, And this is, I find a lot of people who are like, I don't like an IPA. Mm. This makes it even more low-key and drinkable as well. Okay, so... uh like IPA when it came on the scene like 15 years ago, I think it really maybe 10, 12 years started to jump a lot. And then all of a sudden you see it everywhere, everywhere. And then it's the juicy, the hazy, or sorry, the hazy IPA is now like has been the new in thing. Yes. I, don't, I mean, it's still in, but it's like the wave is kind of settling a little bit. But what makes it hazy? Like what's, what makes the haziness of it? So not filtering it. So keeping um, the the haze to it, that's a huge thing where like the first one you tried, if you look at it in the glass, it's definitely filtered. It's clear in appearance. So not not filtering it helps, you know, keep it hazy. It's delicious. Some of our beers will will filter a little bit and still keep a little bit of a sheen to it. But this one is full on hazy. We did juice force. The last time I was in, That's, okay, yep, yeah, yep. so that one was an imperial hazy. So mm-hmm. that would be like its big brother. Okay. So that was at nine and a half percent, and then that had like some different fruit juices, and that added to it. And by so. the way, Ben, thanks you for not bringing the nine and a half percent in today. Okay. He's giving thumbs up. Yeah, he gave it yeah. a thumbs up. Right, so I love the dude's yeah. jacket on the on the art. Mm-hmm. By the way, he's it's flashy. Uh, he is very flashy. Mm-hmm. Looks like a like some kind of trip I was on. Not, yeah, on vacation. So All that right, is so. that one. 
sells bonkers. People love Hazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hazy's like everyone's. Yes. And this is a. I suggest everyone go and get all of these. But this one's really good. See, I don't know if you're you're not a Simpsons fan, are you? Yes, I am. There's an episode where Homer is in the uh, chili cook-off and he eats these, the, was it the five, it's these crazy hot chilies and he eats them all and he goes on a spiritual journey because he's like tripping <laughs> and the coyote is a spirit guide and it looks just like the one from the Simpsons. So. I'm going to have to look that up now. Also, I can send it to you. I'm a big Simpsons nerd. All right. And the next one, just, they like, just talk beer, don't talk they Simpsons. Could have, I know. They could have ironically <laughs> put that in there. I'm going to look that up. It looks, I'll show you when we're in commercial okay. break, but yeah, it looks just like it. And the next one is... It. The Imperial, the nine percenter. Yeah. So yeah, this is our flagship brand, our beer, the beer that we make the most of at New Belgium. This one, that one, really? Yes. And so we're gonna be trying through that. And again, it's just real quick. Yeah. I noticed that in all the pours that I had, this one is the one that's the least poured. Is it because Ben told you? Yeah, Ben actually was like, please gave pour the, less of this, like the half an inch measurement with his fingers. Don't make this about me. Make it about the beer. Come on. Now. <laughs> All right. We'll make it about. Sorry, Ben. The half inch was not about you. Okay. It was about the beer. About the beer. Yes. It was about, the, was beer, about okay? the beer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the beer. All right. So, sorry, Ben. He's the one drinking. See, it's already started. I'm sorry, Ben. Well, he. <laughs> Anyways, I got to move on. All right. Rick, no, I teed him up for that. Collect one. myself it's again. Okay. All right. So, the half inch that is. In the cup is yes. the beer, not Ben. Correct. So when it comes to the beer, when it comes to the beer that we're Would drinking, Would you consider Jesse, that a micro brew? <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, back on track. This is a family show. It's a family show. <laughs> Kids, 21, you can drink these. All right, so this beer, Jesse, what mm-hmm. are we drinking here again? Please so put our, us back on track. That's all good. It's our Imperial. So this is 9%, but it doesn't drink like it. It is really smooth. It's got a little bit of sweetness at the end, mm. but it's got all the beautiful hops, citrus. It is very sweet at the end. I tropical. like the little sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is your, so you sell the most of this. Yes. So people love that half inch, Ben. All right. So uh, when it comes to all of this, mm-hmm. we can get this anywhere. Yes. Yeah. Like we Woodman's, hy V, we can go to local mom and pop shops, whatever. Correct. And most places, like think of places that have like the single seltzers or other beers you definitely find the 19.2 ounce and they're great for you know you want to go on a picnic you want to go hiking you want to just take one beer you don't want to take a 12 pack or a six yeah, pack totally. this is a great option concert venues uh you know it's so, a convenience play originally but it fits into lots of i need situations. you to i need you to sell me on this because i'm gonna take the message and i'm gonna pass it along to my wife so i'm going to denver mm-hmm. on friday great and we're gonna be you know doing some party and whatever obviously drinking voodoo ranger and we're out you know right. at the restaurant sure. you know, doing a thing but then we're also gonna be hiking mm-hmm. is this can i sell my wife that this is a hikeable beer 100 percent. love it plus it's made in colorado so I don't know if there's more of a reason to drink it while you're there. This, this was meant to be, you know, this 100 percent. Yeah. And if you get up to Fort Collins, let us know. Uh, is that where you guys are? Yeah. OK, well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do it. Jesse said that Voodoo Ranger will let us drink for free that day. I will Fort you We can make that happen. <laughs> All right, cool. Yes. Right. <laughs> so thanks for being a good sport today. We absolutely. were just off the rails today and I absolutely love it. Yep. And Ben, thanks to you as well, brother. We appreciate mm. we appreciate. Thanks, mm. Ben. Mm. <laughs> so Jesse, what's uh, what's on docket for you this week? Anything crazy? Anything cool? What do you what do you got going on? Uh, I'm going to be moving. You're moving? Uh, yeah. So packing. So nothing exciting. You're not le- like you're not like leaving us, are you? No, just moving. 
within the state, so right, I cool. will not be leaving you. Just getting closer to Because we family. want you to come back, especially Ben. 100%. Especially Ben with more beer. Right. Absolutely. So, no, nothing crazy. It's just packing. And you're, these three, I know it's like, I don't have any kids, but they always say if you have a kid, you can't say which one's your favorite. Right. If these three are here, which one, can you pick a favorite, or is it like I love them all equally? I would, I would lead with I love them all equally, but I think the Imperial. Just... Drinkability nine percent. Well, I mean that's the that's the breadwinner of the family. That's the right. that's the flagship. Right? Yes, yeah, that's okay. what pays the bills. Yeah, one hundred percent. And us three, and you don't have to say this, but us three for lovability would go me, Rowdy, then Ben, right?